This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Running back show, unintentional running back show. Emmett Smith joins, and then Travis Etienne joins after that from the Red Hot Jacksonville Jaguars. Really enjoyed this. Emmett was great on the Cowboys. Um, and some shade thrown at the Buffalo Bills teams that they beat in the Super Bowl. The 95 Giants are on high alert after Emmett talks about how much they wrecked that particular team. Um, that was awesome. Uh, both, both interviews were great. I want to talk briefly about 49ers Eagles game of the year in the NFC 425. I, just, I love late afternoon NFC showdowns on Fox. Like I'm too, I'm, I'm too young. I was going to say too old. I am too old, but I'm too young to remember Fox not having football. So I think some old timers, Maybe you see more nostalgia on the CBS side, but like late afternoon, NFC, normally East, but obviously the 49ers are are, are blue bloods of the NFC. Um, you know, sun setting early because it's late in the season and just a, a colossal NFC matchup. I love this. I want to talk about the Eagles because I doubted them coming into this season and I made a couple of process mistakes I want to go through right now. First of all, Howie Roseman is as big an asset as anybody who doesn't play that any team has. Like, literally, he's on par with a really great coach um, because of the way not only that staff evaluates talent, but the way that they keep that talent and the way they move off mistakes quickly, but also just understand how the salary cap works. No one on this team makes more than 7% of the salary cap. And that's how you win. I was looking at the roster texture. If you don't know what that is, over the cap kind of does little profiles of, of what a team is. They're not top five in spending on any category, which means they're basically perfectly balanced. 20% of their, they have zero quote elite players, but 20% of their players are highly paid. 20% are middle-class, 20% are on the rookie deal. Like it's almost, almost perfectly proportional. A little too much dead money, but you can deal with that now. The way they moved on from the Wentz deal that quickly to where it basically didn't even matter anymore, the way they structured it after what, a year and a half. But then here's the most important thing. No skips, as the, as the kids say, on their big contracts. No misses. And that's the most important thing. Because you look at some of these teams, like the Raiders are a great example. They're sunk because they put their money in the wrong guys. And it's over. And it doesn't matter what your draft class looks like. It's just, it's over. Colt, same way. Put their money in a bunch of guys who got old fast. It's over. What the Eagles did is, here are the highly paid guys. Lane Johnson, Darius Slay, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham. No busts of the group. Middle class guys. A.J. Brown, Jordan Mailata, Hassan Reddick, Dallas Godert, Jalen Hurts, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox. Josh Sweat, I believe, was as of like a week ago, leading the NFL in pressures, he's at $5.8 million. That's significant. And then the, the middle class of guys is just it, it, the same. And what they're able to do, there's so many things they're able to do. I mean, people were talking about the trade deadline. Oh, well, if you extend a guy and you, and you trade for him, it's not really a rental. No, what the Eagles do is the opposite of that. They sign guys in free agency. They wait, unless it's Kevin Byer, that's different. But they wait to sign guys in free agency, give them one-year tryouts, and then figure out if they're worth the investment. That's how you get the middle class of player cheaply. And then at the moment you realize that they've hit, you extend those guys. That is so valuable. They understand modern football. Like That's the most important thing. 
And not only that, like, you know, I, I've heard Joe Douglas had something to do with this, but like the, how he understands that toughness matters. Like some, some GMs understand the analytics part of her, how to spend cash or whatever, um, or how to use resources or don't take a running back in the first round, all that stuff. But they don't understand the 360 view of the game, that toughness matters, that culture matters, the locker room chemistry matters. By the way, Chip Kelly, Mr. Culture Eats Strategy for Breakfast Every Day, uh, he instilled a bad culture and Howie Roseman instilled a good culture. Chip Kelly couldn't stop talking about how he was fixing the culture and it turns out he was making the culture significantly worse. Howie has built a good culture. Part of that's because he knows how to hire coaches along with Jeffrey Lurie. I don't want to uh, write Jeffrey Lurie out at this point. But anyway, all this to say is that I picked the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl at the NFC. And I doubted the Eagles. And the one thing I was thinking about today when I was going through some of the cap stuff and just randomly kind of looking at the at, at the roster texture and technical people in the league and just, just talking about it. And and also, by the way, like some of the stuff, numbers can lie. Like the Chiefs obviously lead the NFL in elite money because they have Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes under contract. Do you not want those guys? Like that's just the reality of the situation. Not everybody can be perfectly balanced. If the Eagles had Patrick Mahomes, they could not make that work. When Jalen Hurts starts to get really expensive, I'm sure they'll have a balanced salary cap, but it won't be nearly as balanced in two and three years. The structure is beneficial, but it's not perfect. It can't be. But when I was thinking about going into the season, I've said this a million times on this show, which is that you can normally reverse engineer Super Bowl winners and Super Bowl participants. And what I mean by that is it's always like, look at the Peyton Manning Broncos last year. And you look at all of those guys who were studs and they were under $3 million contract, $4 million contract. And you look back on it and you go, oh my God, like how did they get those guys? Like the Ravens, the Joe Flacco Ravens, same exact thing. Look at that cap table and figure out how much talent they had right there on whether that's rookie deals, whether it's, you can always reverse and share. That's why with the Bengals, I picked them winning the Super Bowl because I thought looking back on it, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow in his last cheap year, the defense and they spent, I think they spent lead the league in defensive spending. Um, we're going to look back on that. By the way, with both coordinators, Brian Callahan and Luana Romo, we were going to look back on that team and say, damn, how do they have that much talent under that one roof? And that's why they're going to win the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow hurts his calf. He hurts his wrist. The whole thing ends. And that just shows you how fragile the whole thing is. But that was the process for me. Now, the big reveal here is I think Howie Roseman gives them the pathway towards that every single year. That's the amazing thing. Like the 2017 Eagles won the Super Bowl. I believe Alshon Jeffrey was their highest paid guy. So for years, for the first 20 years of the salary cap, it was true that no team, 30 years of the salary cap, it was true that no team had won the Super Bowl with more than 21% of their cap going towards two players. I believe Chris Jones was the first, or Frank Clark was the first uh, like non- quarterback to making over $20 million to win the Super Bowl, something crazy like that. Like the, 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 the trends do not favor highly paid elite players winning the Super Bowl. Now, some of that's luck, like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones combined for like 30% of the cap. And, and that's not the reason they faded in the fourth quarter when they're up 28 to three. But the key is having all that talent under manageable contracts and fitting them all in. And part again, part of that is understanding how to give early extensions and how understanding how to have exit paths from that. But all this to say is that Howie Roseman gives them the advantage that I'm talking about, which is stacking talent with flexible contracts every single year. He gives them that every single year. And that is so valuable. And we need to be talking about him like one of the greats in the league and one of the defining forces in the league. I, I think coaching 
is so monumentally important. I've said before, like smart people have told me that think coaching is like 70% of football. I tend to agree. But this kind of roster talent is also 70% of football. Unfortunately, I just said the Eagles combined 140% of football. And guess what? They play like it sometimes. All right, let's get down to it. Tickets for the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, you keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas? Affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino? Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Emmett Smith is here, NFL legend. He's here with Bud Light. What's going on, buddy? No, much better. How you doing, Kim? I'm doing great. We're going to get to what we're doing with Bud Light and our buddy Peyton Manning, our boss Peyton Manning here at Omaha Productions. But I want to start with this, Emmett. Um, there's a lot of talk about the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, statistically, is the best quarterback in the NFL since week six. Uh, 80 QBR, nobody's even close. And I'm curious, um, we've seen the gap between Dallas and San Francisco this year. We've seen the gap albeit a shorter gap between Philadelphia and Dallas this year. Um, in your mind, what will the gap be as we go uh, into January, possibly into February, between Dallas and those top two NSU teams, Evan? Well, I think the gap is is really going to be between the ears of the Cowboys. Uh, you know, uh, I think Dak Prescott and our team has definitely come a long way. Uh, and, and I think those battles between Philadelphia and the 49ers is a mental battle. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where you have to match their energy. Uh, defense has done a great job of matching that energy. I think the offense needs to do the same thing. And, and they have been trying to rise up over the last three to four weeks. So I'm proud to see that starting to happen. And I'm, st- I'm proud to see McCarthy uh, starting to leverage all aspects of the, of the game and all aspects of the players. I mean, we start thinking about starting to run the rock a little bit more. And I think we need to, uh, spend time when we play against teams like Carolina and others that we should be dominating against, focusing on getting those things together for when we do go up against a Philly or or the 49ers again. Yeah. We're truly battle-tested. 
And, and I think that's that's the difference between those teams and our team. Uh, they're built inside out, uh, and we're built inside from the defensive standpoint, but we're trying to get better on the offensive front standpoint to where um, we can play physical smash-mile football whenever we want to. Overcoming, it sounds like you're saying, especially with San Francisco, that it's it's a little bit of a, of a mental hurdle and getting that edge, getting that mentality so the next time they play, you don't get your doors blown off like you did last time. Um, just from a mental standpoint over the course of the season, how do you get mentally tougher, Emmett? Well, first of all, you know that you're going up against a tough team like the 49ers or even the Philadelphia Eagles. So you know yep. you're going to be in for a physical fight. So you have to absolutely match that energy, especially when you're on the road. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it tough when you're on the road. And when you go into Philadelphia, you saw our team. They played very spirited football. They did not want to get smashed mouth again like they did against the 49ers, so therefore they rose up. But unfortunately, <clears throat> you got to play like that all the time. Whether it's in practice, you got to compete like that all the time in practice. So when you get into a game, it's, not, it's an afterthought. It's yeah. not something that you're pressing and pressing and pressing now then all of a sudden you get into the five minute uh, left in the game. Then all of a sudden you start reverting back to some of your old ways by making the mistakes that cost you. So mentally, that's why I say a lot of this is mental uh, for our team. And we have to make up our mind offensively, offensive line wise yeah. and coaching wise that we're going to be tough and how we're going to be tough. We're going we're gonna to pound the rock and we coming right at you and you, and I don't care if you know it. So it, it becomes more of an attitude thing and a mental state of mind than anything else. It's not braggadocious. It's just saying, okay, we understand that we have the capabilities of doing it, and I'm going to lean on my guys to make sure that this happened, and I'm going to make sure that we're practicing against one of the best defenses every week yep. who's coming after other offenses every week. So we should get better. Yeah. Um, so we do something on this show, Emmett, called Badasses, and it's about – the most badass person you've ever played with. And that could be anybody. And obviously it's going to be from someone on the glory days, Dallas Cowboys, which one of the most badass teams of all time. You were a badass yourself, although normally people don't pick themselves. Um, but obviously I wanted to, to, to pick your brain about that team because when people think about that team, you just think of all the big personalities. You think of all the winning that they did. You think of Jimmy Johnson and that swagger. I just read his book. It's one of the best football books I've ever read. Um, just how he installed that winning mentality. So I'll give you the floor. The biggest badass on that team, Emmett, was who? The biggest badass on that on that, on that team? <clears throat> we had so many badasses. I mean, <laughs> the biggest. I mean, Charles Haley was the was yeah. one, one was a beast because he required two or three guys to block him at all times. Uh, Irvin was a beast because he you couldn't play him man to man because he yeah. would beat you behind man to man. Jay Novacek was a beast when it kind of came down to uh, trying to guard him and protect and, and defend him. But then when you start thinking about my offensive line, Eric Williams was mean as hell. Larry Allen was mean, powerful, and unassuming as all get out. And Mark Tournay was the was was a straight up dog. So we had some beasts on our on our team, no doubt about it. But some of the badasses, I just mentioned most of them anyway. And not to mention when Dion came to our squad, <laughs> when he came to our squad, he shut down half the field. Yeah. And then Darren Wilson in the secondary. I mean. And James Washington, I mean, come on. We had a Ken Norton. Think yep. about Ken Norton's linebacker. 
And, you know, when you got somebody at the one-yard line in the Super Bowl, and it's you and him mano-mano, and you stand him up, and you walk him back, and they don't get a touchdown, that's bad ass. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were – an alien comes down and he says, I want to understand that era of Dallas Cowboys football. Was there a game where you just absolutely dog walked some team? Like what game do you look at and say that was that era of Dallas Cowboys football where you just destroyed a team? Um, probably. Ooh, I mean, we destroyed. We just, well, I can't say we destroyed it. They destroyed themselves. We destroyed the Bills in our very first Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. So we put up 50-some points, but they hurt themselves. So right. did we really destroy them or did they destroy themselves? I think they destroyed themselves. But when you start talking about destroying somebody, it's when we yeah. took we took it to them like the Giants on Monday night in 95. Yep, yep. Played them up there on Monday night in 95. We put up 35 points on them, and, and, and I think we beat them 35 to absolutely nothing. And and they there was nothing they could do to stop us. And so there were games like that uh, where when things got to kind of lopsided our way, and then there were games like that where things didn't quite get as lopsided. But, yeah, you know, uh, but, yeah, it, it's it's those kind of games like that when you just look at the score and like say, man, they absolutely destroyed the Bills in, in our very first Super Bowl. People talk a lot about, and this is my last question before we get to the Bud Light thing, people talk a lot about – um, the, just the glare of playing in Dallas and how if you're the uh, Cowboy star, you're getting media questions all the time and it's just different. Can you talk me through what it's like to be in the center, what Dak is going through and what someone like uh, Micah is going through every single week where everybody just looks at you and the cable news, one, you know, the sports networks need to get ratings off of you and what that's like, Emmett? Well, you're in a fishbowl. There's no doubt about it. You're in the fishbowl and everyone has this level of expectation of you and other folks want to see you fail. Regardless, they can smile in your face and all the time they're trying to take your place. That's just what, what happens. That's just the way it goes. Uh, the one thing that I would say to players is let's not get caught up in all the outside conversation because that's what that's what the job is. The job is to create um scenarios or create doubt or create dissension and and how you manage that and how you deal with that that's up to the individual player but you must know it's coming it's coming and everyone has an angle and your and your quotes are always um and you're always quoted and the one thing <laughs> i've learned in my past is oftentimes somebody just to take a quote and you can either yeah. give them 20 minutes of great information just like you and I have this conversation right now. But the one piece that might stand out is what I said about the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> that, <laughs> that piece might be headline news. You right. know what I'm saying? But it's that kind of scenario that takes place with the general public don't know, but you get the last word because the article has been written and people are reading it. And so as players, we have to understand that's the way the game is and that's the way the game is played. I promise we'll treat you well. We won't make it headline news. Emmett, is Peyton Manning the master of commercials? Was that fun filming with him? It was great shooting commercials with Peyton. Peyton is a professional. Uh, uh, he, he is uh, hilarious. And um, I, I, I just had a great time. I mean, shooting the easy receivers uh, was pretty simple and pretty fun. 
And everybody in the in the bar had a great time shooting the commercial, and everybody had the great laughs and everything else. I think the commercial spot is going to be awesome, and I think what Bud Light is doing um, for fans all around, giving them an opportunity to enjoy the postseason with a Bud Light, uh, just by scanning the QR code on the Bud Light itself, and uh, you have a chance to win at least a postseason ticket or something like that. They're giving away a lot of stuff, and if you're one of the fortunate ones. Uh, who knows? You might get a chance to uh, be one of the 21 fans uh, to get an opportunity to go to Super Bowl and check it out out there in, in, in Vegas. So um, I think Bud Light is doing a wonderful thing to try and and not only engage with fans, but give fans a very unique experience is what everything is all about. That's what the commercial is all about. Peyton Manning and I in a bar throwing beer around and buying everybody beer and the people catching passes and everything else. That's that's an experience all by itself, let alone going to a Super Bowl or getting a chance to go and watch one of your favorite team play going to postseason. Why not? Love it. Emmett Smith, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this is football. He's got the commercial out. Bud Light, easy receivers with Peyton Manning. We will see you soon, buddy. All right, man. Peace out. All right, Travis Etienne on pace for a second straight 1,000-yard season. He is a Jacksonville Jaguar star. They're one of the hottest teams in football. What is going on? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, in Jacksonville, feeling good, man. Like you said, season's going great, so couldn't uh, ask for anything better. Awesome. You're here with My Cause, My Cleats, Call of Duty. We're going to get to that very shortly. I want to start here. Um, the last time... Travis, that the Jacksonville Jaguars had a Monday Night Football game was 2011. What were you doing in 2011? 2011? Man, I, I was running around watching my sisters play basketball in high school. <laughs> Being a kid, honestly. You weren't you weren't plugged into the 2011 Jaguars. I love that. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, uh, um, I, I want to talk about this team. They've won seven of eight um, last year, I believe, in the regular season. They ended winning seven of eight. Um, what causes this kind of team to get this hot? Like when you're in the middle of this streak, how do you explain these sort of uh, this sort of upswing? Uh, just being able to reset your mind each and every week, and uh, just the coaches believing in us and putting us in great situations to go out there and win the game week in and week out. And I feel like we had the players around us, and uh, and, and we genuinely love each other here. So. Whenever we are there, we plan for each other, so that made things very easy. And we don't get ahead of ourselves. So we take it one week, one, one week at a time, and that really has been working for us. Doug Peterson, obviously. I spent some time with him when he was in Philly, obviously during that, that playoff run with the Eagles, incredible coach. Um, what don't we know about him and how he makes teams better? Uh, I would say the calmness that he brings to the locker room. The, uh, just, just he's so calm. I, I feel like it could be like, it's so it'd be chaos, total chaos going on, but he just called me. <laughs> like the guys just rally around that and we're able to just feed off his energy and that keeps us calm and level headed. It keeps us just go out there and be able to play free. Can you give me an example of a time that Doug was just totally calm in the chaos? Uh last year, uh, when we were getting beat by the charges really, really bad. Uh no, no, no one went crazy. He didn't lose his mind, he didn't lose his head. He just kind of told us, man, let's get it together. Uh, he's had a demeanor about him, and uh, he like y'all know what you need to do. And I feel like him just, just, uh, just going about it that way, kind of just gave us faith that we can come back from this. 
Um, I love to go inside plays and find out kind of the nuances of it. And I want to get to Trevor and obviously you have a great relationship with him. Um, and I want to start with the touchdown you had against the Steelers where you split out wide, obviously a different type of touchdown they normally have. Um, but what is, what is it like to have chemistry with Trevor Lawrence and what, what were the nuances of that throw between you and him, Travis? I think those is a trust, those is trust, uh, trust factor. Just us playing together for so long, just knowing where I was going to be and him trusting in me to be able to go out there and catch that ball. And I feel like that's just us playing together for a very long time. And that's why you see that happen. If for someone who doesn't know about it, like obviously I, I don't know ball nearly as well as you do. Like what needed to happen for that trust throw to come through? And how are how they playing Like with, with all that stuff? Like take me through why that trust throw worked. Uh, basically because it was a cover, it was a cover two look and a uh, safety. So we had a Calvin really this year. And uh, as you know, Calvin garners a lot of attention. And uh, the safety tried to jump on Calvin. And uh, that kind of left me over the top. And Trev seen that. He Trev seen him dive on that. And just Trev being who he is, he always knows the next move. So he just floated over to safety, and I was right there to catch it. When was the first time you realized how special Trevor Lawrence was? Uh, honestly, uh, it was back in college, probably yeah. like like I was second real practice. Uh, he was out there making plays and just uh, just just throwing the ball so far. Honestly, just so far, hard, just like just out there try, trying to prove himself to everybody that he does belong here. And uh, that's when I knew he was special. What's been your favorite, it might be the Steelers, but what's been your favorite play with him on a football field, whether that's college or pro? Uh, my favorite play? Uh, probably in college, honestly, the Ohio State run that he had. I feel like yeah. uh, not much is really going on for a good for us in that game. And he just took it on himself to kind of go make a play. And uh, everybody thought he was going to go out of bounds, but he just kept running and uh, it worked out for a touchdown. Do you believe he was on my show six months ago, whenever it was, and he told me he doesn't really put much effort into his hair. Do you believe him? I definitely believe him. I definitely believe that. Wow. Really? I mean, it's beautiful hair. He really wakes up like that. He just combs it a little bit. Yeah. He, yeah, he probably just combs it a little bit, keep the, the knots out, but Trev has so much other things to worry about. He, I don't think he's <laughs> worried about his hair, honestly. Um, Doug said, I believe it was earlier today, that you guys in Jacksonville are as close as any team he was around in Philadelphia. And I'm curious uh, if you could take me through that locker room, what it's like now and how you guys gelled so well. I feel like it reminds me of college, honestly. Just uh, us just being here, just us loving the game of football and love being here with each other, working, working at something. We put so much into this game together. And uh, that's what you see translates onto the field. And I feel like that's what that closest that camaraderie comes from. Just us all out there wanting the same thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, it's obvious. Um, and the, the next play I want to go through is the the Colts touchdown, where basically you ran into a wall of people and then bounced outside. Um, and, and that was the vision needed for it is so spectacular. And also the strength, like a lot of people would have fallen down, but you were able to bounce outside. First of all, take me through what you saw and how you were confident enough when you're in the, I mean, every, no, everybody's six foot seven in that little mush there. And somehow you were able to bounce around. I'm um, taking through what happened there. Uh, so just going through my steps, my uh, just going through my steps and uh, trying to, I, I see like a little crease in, in everything. And I tried to get through there, but I couldn't. And uh, just got to keep my feet moving and kind of just seeing the backer. I think it was Shaquille Leonard. He kind of just overflowed. And uh, when I, once I see him overflow, I kind of knew there was no contain. So I kind of just broke for that gap. And uh, he kind of missed the tackle and the safety miss. And uh, it was a touchdown from there. Let's go through some lightning round stuff. Um, we'll start here. Who is the player you least like to be tackled by? 
Probably Jeffrey Simmons. Oh, yeah. take me through that. Take me through a Jeffrey Simmons tackle. Uh, it was uh like two weeks ago. Um, we was running in, we was running a double, and uh he kind of hit a swim move and me. I don't know. I we was in a red zone, so I'm looking at the touchdown. I didn't even know Jeffrey was right there, but he definitely made his presence known and he smacked me. That's what happened. I will I will, I will bring up obviously it's going on Sunday. You got uh that there was a pretty hard goal on uh tackle from the Texans as well, where you kind of ran into a wall. I just contextualize this for me. I haven't played since high school. How hard does it hurt when you run into a, a wall of, of defenders like that? It just depends on who the defenders is. I mean, uh, Jeffrey right. Simmons, he's probably like 380 pounds uh, compared to like a defensive back who's right. probably playing at 180, 200 pounds. Uh, you definitely would rather run into that defensive back than the uh, defensive line. So it just depends on what wall you're running to at the time. Uh, depends on how much it's going to hurt. What's the craziest thing you've ever heard someone say to you on a football field? Just talking trash, trying to get in your head. What is it? Uh, the craziest thing? Uh no, people don't want to tell me much crazy things. Honestly, uh, everyone kind of just pats me on the back and give me respect. Honestly, uh, no one ever has really said anything crazy to me. Most underrated player on the Jaguars right now? Most underrated player on the Jaguars. I would probably say Darius Johnson. I feel like uh, he's mm-hmm. always ready for his opportunities. And uh, he's he's always making the most out of his opportunities. And he comes to work each and every day and works hard. Uh Clemson, obviously, in the national spotlight, they have they have, they have a nice end of the season. They beat South Carolina, obviously. Um, if Clemson fans are, are tapping in here and saying, what does Clemson need to do to get back to, to national prominence like they were when they were rolling with you, where does it start? I think it starts uh, by using the portal. Uh, Coach Sweeney wasn't, uh, wasn't using the portal last year, and I feel like he sees this year how much the portal um, can't help a team, and I feel like he's going to use the portal and get the team back on track. Do you think he's he's gonna modernize a little bit? Because that was a little. I mean, I obviously listen. It worked. It worked for a long time in Clemson. But you think it's gonna get a little more modern there? Uh most definitely. I feel like in order to continue to be a championship caliber team, you have to continue to evolve and uh, grow with the game. You mentioned uh, Trevor, obviously, in the second practice. Like, can you tell me a practice story with Trevor Lawrence when you have all those 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 NFL guys at Clemson? You know, it's best on best everywhere. Like, how competitive those got, especially when 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 Trevor was there. That was one practice. Uh, I think Isaiah Simmons had pushed Trevor, and uh, like the whole offensive line kind of swarmed on Isaiah, and like a little kind of fight had it broke out. And I feel like, uh, but after that, everything was pretty cool. But it, like you said, iron sharpens iron. And with all those NFL guys, like, it was very competitive. Like, the defense wanted to win, offense wanted to win. and But everyone really had Trevor back. So Trevor didn't have to worry about anything. Yeah, no, I I, I can imagine that. Uh, your favorite running back to watch that's not on your team? Oh, that's a hard one. Right now, I'll probably say Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I feel like i kind of been watching his game, and he kind of been helping me just continue to grow my game because he's been doing it uh, for a very long time at a high level. Yeah. I was going to ask, I mean, what 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 specifically, like, technique-wise, are you working on right now to get better? Uh, just my footwork, just uh, being yeah. vertical, just uh, keeping my shoulders square at all times and being, and getting vertical up the field, um, stop, not, not trying to run side to side, not, uh, not worry about getting to the sideline as much, getting vertical up the field. You were mic'd up against the Texans. Do you have to warn everybody that you're mic'd up when you are? Oh, definitely, definitely, because uh, you never know what someone's going to say. You never <laughs> say so. I have to give those warnings out. 
this is important because I heard you yell Duval on the mic'd up, either this one or the one you did in September. Uh, how often do people in Jacksonville yell Duval? All the time. All the time. They yell it all the time. I'm, my nephew, if I go walk into his house today, he's going to scream out Duval. Like, <laughs> do you, anywhere you go, do people yell to you? Uh, yes, sir. I, uh, this year, last year, not really much, but this year, I guess with the success of the team, Everyone yeah. just feeling the hype about the team. Uh, I'm mean, definitely getting a lot of Duvals around. Here. Where where are you getting it? Like gas stations, movie theaters? Like gas stations, because I uh, I really don't go out to the store. Okay, yeah, of course. Uh, if I'm getting gas, somebody to see me and they'll scream out "Good job" on and Duval. I love that. That's I mean, it's it's a special place. Like it's it's a smaller community. It's not like a lot of NFL places. It's just it's just a, a little bit different. I have to ask because I've always wondered this. Um, when you got drafted, and it's okay if you want to avoid this question, but when you got drafted. The head coach at the time said he wanted Kadarius Tony instead of you. Did you find that? Like, how did you process that? Did you use that as internal motivation? Like, I've always thought I've never, I've never seen that before. But like, how did you process that in, in that moment in that rookie season? I mean, honestly, uh, I mean, that never really like even like got into my mind. I feel right. like that never even like I never even like thought about that because like at the end of the day, I didn't actually get drafted here. He drafted me. Right. So it's like. And at the end of the day, all I can do for myself is make the best out of my situation. I'm here, and I'm not going to let somebody taint my dreams because of how they was feeling in the moment, you know? So I never even thought about that. Uh, I just made the best out of my situation each and every day. Uh, last thing before we get to Call of Duty, my calls, my cleats. Uh, the key to finishing strong for the 2023 Jaguars is what? Uh, just to, to keep taking it one week at a time. Just keep uh, trying to get one and up each and every week. And uh, every Monday, uh, reset your focus to uh, be great for Sunday. Awesome. Tell us what you're doing with Call of Duty, My Cause, My Cleats. Uh, so here's my cleat. It's actually Beautiful. a nice cleat. Wow. Yeah. So it's a Call of Duty endowment. So it's, a, it's basically a program to where they help well, veterans, uh, like the Call of Duty game help get veterans jobs. And uh, I'm just really special. It's just blessed to be able to get this opportunity because like in the past year they had a couple of big guys and uh for them to come here and ask me Travis Etienne like with the names that they had I was just kind yeah. of just shocked but I am forever grateful and uh man these kids are really great and uh the woman they were doing it for her name is Ashton I'm actually gonna be able to give her a pair Sunday night at the, well Monday oh, night amazing. Came, uh a direct replica so these are for her and basically endowment they just basically help the call the game help people get jobs like old veterans yeah. who have retired and they put over 125k people like have found jobs since uh they started this uh program and that's really great so amazing all right travis Etienne, that was a great cleat we'll see it on monday night thanks so much for coming on this is football man uh, for sure thank you for having me